It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. And today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, the fantastic co-host of the Locked On Heat podcast. And we are going to talk if the Miami Heat can figure out a way to slow down Jalen Brunson, whether the New York Knicks can continue to hold up Jimmy Butler and the other factors that will decide game six and whether or not this will be the end of the Knicks season or we're getting a game seven at MSG, baby. It all starts now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Tuck, tuck left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day, if you didn't know, now you do. We are available on all platforms, and that includes, and you know, you already see my smiling face on a day-to-day basis on YouTube. Um, so check us out on YouTube. Become an everyday like, subscribe, throw us some comments. Um, I don't say this enough. I, I don't think I've said it on a podcast in a few months. Um, Please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. The beauty of it is, is if you give us five stars, I don't even care what you say. You can uh, call me stupid. You can call Alex um, only slightly smarter than me. That's okay. Um, we'll tolerate it if you throw us the five stars. But who's talking to you and chilling for reviews? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into everything Nick's Heat Game 6, the battlegrounds that will decide if the Knicks can extend the series, and it all starts right now. Thanks for joining me. Um, I'm going to be honest. This isn't this isn't me bragging. I genuinely did not expect to be doing this podcast. I thought that I'd be talking about how the Knicks season ended, how they could never get it together, how they couldn't find a rhythm, how Tom Thibodeau couldn't adjust. 
Um, but to some extent, all those things happened. We are heading back to Miami for a game six. What is the what is the feeling in Heat Nation right now? Is there a level of concern or are you looking at that game as mm. like everything went right for the Knicks? Nothing went right for Miami. Um, we're going to be fine. We're going to end this in six games. I'd say probably more disappointment right now in Miami. I think there is a lot of uh, hope and planning for this sort of be a, a, um, uh, a celebration Thursday for Heat fans. And by the way, this is not related necessarily, but the Panthers played last night with a chance to knock off the Toronto Maple Leafs in the NHL playoffs. So I think a lot of South Florida sports fans were like, all right, cool. Heat will knock off the Knicks. Panthers will take care of business. We're celebrating conference finals um, in these different sports, but uh, the Panthers lost and the, and the Heat lost. So it's just kind of a, a feeling of disappointment right now in South Florida. Got it. All right. And I, I guess what is like, where would you say that disappointment is focused in, in regards to Miami's performance? Like what, what, what is the, what was the aspect of game five that you're like, oh, okay, like that, it was inexcusable. Like we, we got to correct that. Yeah, I think mostly um, there's an understanding that the Knicks were the team on the ropes and that they were going to get the best effort. You saw Jalen Brunson play 48 minutes, Quentin Grimes play 48 minutes, um, and the Heat came back from 19 points down in that game and had within two with two and a half minutes to go. So I don't think that there's a sense of, like, the Heat really blew that one. I, I think it's an understanding that the Knicks, their season was on the line, and they were at home, and they gave the Heat their best punch, and they came out with the win. I think it's almost like a uh, you know, just tip your cap and say, all right, well, you got Friday's game at Kaseya Center, uh, game six to close this thing out. So I don't think that Heat fans are frustrated. And look, I won't even speak for Heat fans. I'll just talk for myself. Um, I thought the Heat played an okay game, but I also thought it was the first game in the entire playoffs where they got actually played. It wasn't their first loss, but it was the first game where I felt like they were thoroughly outplayed. And it wasn't some weird variance thing like three-point shooting in, in the Bucks loss that they had uh, or Jimmy Butler not playing in the game that they lost previously in this series to the Knicks. And so I think there's something there. I think if you're Eric Spolstra, if you're the Miami Heat, you got to go back to the film. How can we stop Jalen Brunson? How can we get Jimmy Butler more shots? How can we break the Knicks' double teams on him? And all those things. But um, it's things that I, I do trust Spo to figure out, and I still think that the Heat should win this series. Got it. Um, I, I guess maybe the first place Spo starts is, is figuring out how to slow down Jalen Brunson. Obviously, an all-time performance from him. I, I read, uh, courtesy of our friend Jonathan Macri, the 21st game, I think in NBA history, not just NBA playoff history, 35-7-7 seven, and seven with one turnover or less, and maybe maybe some efficiency. Benchmark was in there too, but regardless, like one of the best playoff games in Knicks history. How, how do you think Miami shifts up their coverage on him, if at all? Um, I, I think the the big shift there, obviously, is the presence of Quentin Grimes and Miami's inability to help off that corner, in particular with yeah. Brunson operating out of that side of the floor. Like, does Miami like send a guy from somewhere else? Do they dare uh, Grimes to hit more threes? Like, what is the adjustment there? Is there an adjustment there for Miami? It's a great question. I think that's really what the Heat need to be focused on right now. Um, a couple things happened in that game. They they had Gabe Vincent pick him up full court. He's been doing a little bit of that all series. I thought it was a little bit more aggressive in Game Five. Uh, set the tone in that game early on and then gave Vincent picked up four fouls like within like the first half or first three quarters or whatever it was um so that's the number one thing is Gabe has been kind of the best defender on Brunson this whole series he does the best job of kind of getting skinny and going around those screens Jalen Brunson loves those pick and rolls right but the Heat are trying not to switch them they don't want Bam guarding Brunson in isolation because they need Bam on Julius Randle they need Kevin Love on Hartstein or Robinson so they're trying not to switch those things because it leaves your backside uh, pretty vulnerable. So 
Um, when Gabe Vincent picks up those fouls, you're asking other guys to get skinny, get around those screens and play it. It kind of just mucks up your 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 plan defensively a little bit more. Um, and then with so many guys in foul trouble, the Heat ended up going zone in a big portion in the second half. And so you're not really doubling in zone. You can kind of do it a little bit. You can kind of touch and show a little bit, but you're not really double teaming him. So I think if I'm the Heat, I'm trying to figure out ways where we can double team Jalen Brunson. There's just, you can't, you can't defend this guy with one player. He's so good at using those picks, that pitch, kind of mixing up his pitches, like from fastball, curveball, slider, whatever other uh, things like, he, sometimes he'll reject the screen. He'll use the screen. He'll ground the screen. He'll 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 fake the screen, then step back into a three pointer. Like he is so good at mixing up. You never really know where he's going. He's so shifty, so crafty. Um, and when he does get downhill, he's really good at getting your shoulder his shoulder into guys, drawing contact, getting to the basket, and all those things. So if you're the Heat, I think you need to to kind of hedge your bets and and double team him. I think to your point, where do you do that? Josh Hart's on the starting lineup. Quentin Grimes is. I don't know. Grimes is two for eight. I know he's a good three-point shooter. I'm not scared of Quentin Grimes winning a playoff game if I'm the Miami Heat. Like, if he goes eight for 12 from three-point range, and like, I don't grab I guess. But uh, I would – they they mostly use Max Struess on him. I don't know if they can switch up the assignments a little bit. Maybe you put Struess on Barrett. Barrett to kind of try to take over. Have Jimmy Butler guard uh, switch onto Grimes and then help off of him a little bit more. Uh, or just have Struess, who's been okay defensively this year, have Struess just help. Uh, Gabe Vincent a little bit more, just be more aggressive, trapping off of those ball screens or, or just straight out doubling them when, when Brunson gets those isolated. So I think I would start with finding ways to double Jalen Brunson earlier in the shot clock, uh, trapping him off of those screens, getting him out of rhythm. Because if he's doing that the way that he did it in game five, then then I do think he'd have something to worry about in game six. Yeah, I think I think there's a number of different factors at play. And I think one one of the biggest ones, and we can talk about this in regards to Jimmy Butler too, is Quentin Grimes' health because he hasn't really shown this ability all playoffs, but in the regular season, he was really fantastic at at beating a wild closeout, usually because someone was helping towards Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle, um, attacking the rim and either finishing or or getting a dump off pass to one of the Knicks bigs or spraying it out to an open three-point shooter. If, if he's hampered at all, I mean, one, if he can't play, but two, if he plays and like he's not at his typical level of explosiveness, I think Miami would be a little bit more comfortable like having like voracious closeouts towards him. And obviously you don't want to pump fake and a flyby, but he hasn't really shown the composure to do that yet. So if I'm Miami, I'm attacking that a little bit harder. And then the other area where I wonder like how they treat it is when Duncan Robinson's in the game and like Knicks fans and like and podcasters are like, have kind of been begging for it all series. Like when he's in the game, like put him in the pick and roll, put him in the action or not mm-hmm. the pick and roll, but just put him, put him in the screening action every single time. Um, and we saw down the stretch Miami, like they, they kind of did the same thing they're doing with their bigs. Um, they had, um, I've, I've been messing up the Martins all, all series, but Caleb Martin, I believe, uh, come on over um, and, and, and basically just like double team him for a second, give Duncan Robinson time to recover. And I didn't yeah. think the Knicks did a good job leveraging that because Quinn Grimes would just kind of fade off into like some nebulous corner and you wouldn't see him again. And like, if he just pops up to the wing there, he should be wide open. You should be able to force Miami into rotation there. Um, and, and then I guess like the third battleground is like, is like the big pick and rolls like where Mitchell Robinson's in there. And, and if I'm Miami, like I I'm curious your opinion on this, but I, I don't switch that up at all because the Knicks are like never hitting Mitchell Robinson for that lob because like, it has to be a picture perfect pass. If not Miami's going to do what they've done all series and just wrap him up. And like Mitch isn't really a short role playmaker. So I kind of think if Miami just continues to be super aggressive with love hedging, like they can maybe force Mitch out of the game offensively. But, but what are your thoughts on all that? 
Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I would switch up the. I think I agree with you for the most part. I wouldn't switch up the scream like a ton. I just thought that the Heat didn't really mix it up enough, and they let John Brunson get comfortable. The other thing I'm kind of looking at too is one of the big adjustments they made in the middle of the series when when Jimmy Butler back for three was having Jimmy Butler guard Jay Barrett. And then have him kind of having a uh, um, a foot in the paint, so that when Jalen Brunson does kind of get his, uh, Jimmy Butler is there, to kind of clean things up by the basket. And there was one play in in last night's game where Jalen Brunson did get by Gabe, Bent, and then Jimmy Butler came from the weak side and ended up blocking Jalen Brunson's shot at the rim. Uh, I just thought that Jimmy wasn't, um, for whatever reason, uh, involved on that backside defense as much as you would have liked him to. Maybe he was up on RJ Barrett a little bit more. I think that they're you got to give credit to the Knicks too for to run uh their stuff on the other side of where Jimmy Butler was, kind of separating RJ Barrett and Jalen Brunson on, on the court, having one on one side, the other on the other side. Uh most too, like if you look at Brunson's shot chart, he had been really struggling from three-point range coming into this game into last night's game. Yeah. Um, but he drilled a those three that he wasn't making for the rest of the series. Um, he took a lot of his shots in that mid-range where I think it the Heat want to kind of give him those spots because you're not going to take everything away from him. Uh, he did one, two, three, four shots from that kind of mid-range outside the restricted area, still in the paint area. Um, and those are shots that I think the Heat are willing to live with, even though Jalen Brunson is kind of his bread and butter. But you just don't want him getting to the basket. You don't want to get him those wide-open threes because he's going to make those every time. So I, I think you want to overreact too much if you're the Heat. I, just, I think there's just things that you want to clean up and do a little bit better. Uh, to your Duncan Robinson point, they've done a really good job of scheming him out of those defensive possessions, like you mentioned, having Caleb Martin come in last minute and kick him out of those switches and things like that. They've been doing similar things with Kevin Love, even really Bam sometimes too, because they just want Bam at other places on the court, and they're not necessarily yeah. worried with Jalen Brunson taking him on one. But um, it's, it's sort of the tricky balance for the Heat because – uh, like an underlying story for this series for Miami is the sh- is the fact that shooting just thirty one percent from three point range. Um, you kind of need Duncan Robinson in there. What he ended up at five five of ten last five night. 10, yeah, five, five of 10, ten last night. So he's him and really the only guys that that are out there producing anything from three point range. And, and Spo is just toggling between the two of them. So you're not really going to get minutes without Duncan Robinson on the floor. And to your point, yeah, if you're Jalen Brunson, you want to target him. And even if you do kick him out of the switch, at least you're putting Miami's defense in rotation, and that just has domino effects that maybe you could take advantage of. But yeah. um, it, it, it's a double-edged sword for Miami because they need guys to make threes. Duncan Robinson is one of their best three-point shooters. You can't take him off the floor completely. If Jalen Brunson is going to play all 48 minutes or most of them, like he has all se- all series long, there's just not going to be a whole lot of minutes where he's on the floor and Duncan Robinson is. Or, or I'm sorry, where Duncan Robinson is on the floor and Jalen Brunson isn't. So there's going to be that opportunity for the Knicks to attack him. I just think that if you're the Heat, you almost just have to live with it. Keep playing your defense the way they have, kicking them out early in the shot clock when when they're trying to drag them into those actions, and um, and just hope that he's making shots because you need somebody to do it. Now we've seen this also. If Duncan Robinson isn't making shots, the Heat are very happy to just not play him in the second half. They just say, okay, you're not going to be in there. We'll go Max Struess. We'll go Kale Martin. We'll go Gabe Vincent. Maybe Kyle Lowry a few more minutes. Um, but you got to test it in the first half of the Heat. See if Duncan Robinson's got the hot hand, um, and then. Like last night, for instance, you know, as much as he was targeted, he was still a plus three in the plus minus and a loss. So the Heat actually played better when Duncan Robinson was on the court. Um, sort of balance that they're trying to to figure out mid game. Yeah, I, and I think that number 
backs up the eye test because I mean, I, I mean, obviously shots were going in, but I think I felt more fear when the ball was in Duncan Robinson's hands than, than anyone outside of Jimmy Butler. And it wasn't, it wasn't really close. And like, they, I mean, there's a reason like Miami gave him that contract. Like he is a special, special, special shooter. And like the Knicks um, on the other end of the floor, probably have to do a better job taking um, him into account, but we've talked Jalen Brunson. We got to talk Miami superstar, Jimmy Butler. Um, but first, I want to remind everyone about our friends over at eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. It's just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop at eBay Motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusion. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Apply. All right, Wes, I also wanted to quickly cover um, the other side of the superstar equation, Jimmy Butler. Um, I, I thought the Knicks, though there were certainly some some obvious instances of double teaming, were, were a little bit more willing to play single coverage. And I think Quentin Grimes is. Clearly done a better job of that matchup. Uh, Tom Thibodeau didn't anticipate this coming to this series. He didn't even anticipate it after he saw it a couple of times, but he's done a better job than Josh Hart. Um, and I, I think it was beneficial to the Knicks not to like preemptively put themselves in rotation in game three when they doubled a lot. It worked pretty well in uh, game four. They had a lot of issues. Like I, I just count the first quarter, like four or five open threes that the heat got just off of double teams of Jimmy Butler. Um, if you were the Knicks, how would you approach guarding him in game five? And what are your expectations for Jimmy in game six? It sounds weird to say that someone who's averaging 25 points, seven rebounds, six and a half assists on pretty good efficiency is having a down series. But compared to what we saw against Milwaukee, he certainly hasn't gone off yet. Yeah. And the Heat kind of need him to be the player that he was against the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Like that's the difference about the Heat turnaround in the postseason, the difference in the regular season, the playoffs. There's a lot of different things. But it starts with Jimmy Butler and it ends with Jimmy Butler, right? Just kind of going uh, nuclear, turning into playoff Jimmy here. Um, and the Knicks have sort of sobered him a little bit in these last couple games, too. Um, especially 19 points on 12 shots. That's just not, not enough shots for him. And credit to the Knicks defense for double teaming him um, when he comes off those screens and making it difficult for him. To get to his spots, it's forcing him to pass the ball. He is made. I went back and watched uh, the game this morning, Gavin, and I was like, because there's a, I, I'm not critical of him on lockdown heat last night. I was like, 12 shots isn't enough. And he said after the game that he just, he was making the right play. And I went back and I was like, yeah, it's hard to argue that he like made the wrong play at any point in this game, uh, especially down the stretch. It just felt like he was making the right pass, the right reads and all these things. But I think what sets the, what, what was the difference between regular season, Jimmy Butler and playoff Jimmy Butler was that he would see the right play and then blow right through it and then just score anyway. And that's the difference. And Quentin Grimes is really, last night, the first guy I've, I've seen all postseason 
kind of make Jimmy think a little bit about it. Like the way that, you know, Jimmy would get Quentin Grimes on the wing and would kind of feel him out, jab step, jab step, try to get by him. And Grimes was just there mirroring him. And, 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 and Jimmy Butler would like pass out of single coverage, which you just haven't seen him do it. Even in that Milwaukee, like Drew Holiday, maybe the best perimeter defender in the NBA for my money he is. Yep. He just went right at Drew Holiday. Didn't stop him. Didn't matter. Chris Middleton didn't stop him. Giannis did not stop him. He just went over guys. And for whatever reason, Grimes just made, made him think a little bit in that game. And I know that the steal that Grimes had is the one that's getting all the headlines. And it was an incredible play Grimes. But just look at the other possessions, too. Like, equally impressive. Or maybe not equally impressive. But very impressive defensive possessions by Grimes. Jimmy Butler needs to look at it. Needs to figure out what it is that he can do uh, to get the better of that matchup. Because Grimes got the better of it last night and if i'm the knicks i'm not changing anything right now uh they've sort of figured out if they are going to stop jimmy butler this is how they're going to do it this is now squarely on jimmy butler uh to figure out the counter and just to be find ways to be a little bit more aggressive i think yeah and i wonder if he starts shooting some threes because that that is generally like you you talk about him being a different guy in the playoffs that's usually the, the variable that i look at the most doesn't shoot a ton in the regular season doesn't shoot him well. And then all of a sudden, like against the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks, looks like Prime Ray Allen out there. This series, yeah. um, on, on a per game basis, um, just taking 1.5 per game, making less than point. Yeah, yeah, didn't take any last night, shooting 17%. So that's that's 0.3. Um, I, I'm looking right at he's made, he's been one the entire series. That's a much better way of saying it. He's he's one for six right. the entire series um so far in the four games that he's played. Um, so and, and that seems like kind of his I think that one was that one was like in the opening two minutes of the last game. Right. And so it's just like one kind of weird token three to open the game. Otherwise no three pointers made in the, like the most meaningful moments of the series. Yeah. And, and you wonder if like, especially down the stretch, if it's a close game, like if that is something that he goes to, it's how he tried to end Boston and nearly ended Boston a year ago. So that's something I'm watching for. Another thing I'm watching for is I thought Miami might have found something down the stretch of this game with the ball pressure they were applying on the Knicks. It's something a friend of the show, Ariel Pacheco, has pointed out all season as like, all right, like if there's something that's going to doom the Knicks this year, like this might be one of the things because they just don't have a lot of ball handling. The Emmanuel quickly injury like essentially cuts that in half because it's really him and Jalen Brunson that the Knicks are super comfortable with handling the ball against pressure. Julius Randle can bring the ball up, but with his injury, doesn't have his typical explosiveness. Quentin Grimes doesn't look comfortable. RJ Barrett's made some good decisions, but also some shaky decisions in those moments. Do you think that's something Miami goes to, not necessarily in a comeback situation, but kind of proactively and, and, and tries to rattle the Knicks maybe a little bit earlier in the game? Yeah, I think they tried to do that the last game too. It just didn't really work as well. Like Jalen Brunson was ready for it. Hmm. Um, but we've seen the Heat do this against Young. Uh, in, in series against the Atlanta Hawks in the past. We've seen them do it a little bit, uh, even against Jalen Brunson in this series, where they do apply that ball pressure high up on the floor as soon as Brunson crosses half court. Uh, we saw the full court pressure in the last game. Um, I do think that that's going to be a big part of Miami's uh, strategy uh, in Miami. Because when when the Heat feel like they need to kind of ramp up the, the, the intensity and, and kind of match energy, that's sort of the thing that they tend to do, right? Like just get your defensive players active, create uh, momentum on the defensive end where they're always moving, constantly moving. And then in turn, does that create turnovers that feed your offense and fuel your offense, especially if you're not shooting as well as you'd like to shoot. Um, they, they, they got, um, I'm sorry. The, the, they got the Knicks to turn the ball over 19 times, but scored only five points off of those turnovers. 
So they were they weren't like valuable turnovers that came out of sort of that pressure that the Heat want to get out of, right? Um, I think the Heat need to do a better job of creating those live ball turnovers, getting those deflections the way they had in, in their wins in this series, um, and then using those deflections to fuel their offense and kind of get easy points. To me, that is a huge battleground for Game Six. It's something that I would watch very carefully if I'm the New York Knicks, um, and it's something that I'm I'm emphasizing if I'm the Miami Heat. All right. Um, I wanna I wanna just see if the Knicks on the flip side can get their transition game going. Let's take one more quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that and then maybe a prediction for game six. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we are back on Locked On Knicks. So Miami, to your point, has been dominating in terms of the transition game. It was a flip from what the Knicks were able to do against the Cleveland Cavaliers where they ran and they ran with abandon. A big part of that is the Knicks best transition player. Josh Hart has largely been neutered in that respect this series and, and looked like particularly poor and particularly tentative. I, I said it on last night's show. I'll say it again. I think he's going to have to have a much better game if the Knicks are going to win game six, but on the whole in game five, the Knicks were, were really, really good playing like an elevated pace. And it wasn't always that like they were just running out and getting dunks. Like obviously that was a little more feasible when Obi Toppin was on the floor during that big 18 to two second quarter spurt. But I was mostly looking at the secondary break, like the plays where the Knicks got a small advantage, like whether it was Quinn Grimes getting a steal and then spraying it out to Julius Randle or, or Julius Randle, like instead of having to attack Bam out of bio in a stagnant situation, which hasn't really gone well for him all series, like having Bam like run out on him and like in a semi-transition situation and being able to attack um, and spray the ball out. The Knicks got three threes. I think it was like a five minute stretch in the third quarter off of Julius doing just that on the whole, the Knicks scored 56 points on 34 possessions that started off a missed shot. It took them 9.2 seconds to get a shot off after a miss. That's the stats from uh, John Jablanco, who does a great job covering the heat. Um, to me, that that swung the game, the Knicks injecting some pace. Like, is that just Miami applying some more pressure, or how do you think they counter that? Um, they, it's tough, right? Because I, I think that if, if the Knicks are going to play that kind of game and they're going to ramp up their physicality and all the things that they want to do, create turnovers, um, limit Miami's chances by taking care of uh, the rebounding edge the way that the Knicks want to do, um, because the heat, the other thing that they want to do is they want to round the ball and you want to see those like Kevin Love outlet passes. We didn't see those either, right? When you're yeah. trying to create those transition opportunities for the heat. Um, no, I, I think this is going to be a game of in game six, the Knicks trying to get back to what it is that they did in creating those turnovers and getting those live balls and, and getting that kind of semi transition stuff that you're just talking about. And then the Heat just trying to figure out ways to do that themselves and play a little bit of a cleaner game. Um, the one thing about the Heat is. They, they don't tend to beat themselves. Even last night, like they turned the ball over 12 times. That's not a ton of turnovers. I thought the Knicks just did a really good job of finding those opportunities to get those those fast break buckets. They The, the Knicks scored 16 points in the fast break. The Heat just had nine. Um, the Heat aren't really going to beat themselves, but they do need to, to clean up some of that stuff anyway. Um, and then they need to kind of coax the Knicks into those kind of live ball turnovers that I was, I was referencing before. So... 
I think it's going to be the Heat just cleaning that kind of stuff up, cleaning up the transition defense, and then just trying to be a little bit more opportunistic in a way that they weren't in game five. Yep, and it's it's going to come down to that. It's going to come down to uh, the Knicks' health. Is Quentin Grimes playing? Is he 100%? Is Emmanuel quickly playing? Can he even give the Knicks like five to you eight to 10 minutes? Grimes yes, are quickly to play? Where, where are you at on them? So I haven't, unless I've missed something while we're recording, I haven't really seen an official update on Quentin Grimes in any form or fashion outside the fact that um, he referred to it himself as a knee injury yesterday. And it was, it was hard. Like that could mean a number of things like a hyperextension. Like he's probably in trouble. If you just bang knees and was like shaking up for the moment and the way he recovered, like you, you hope that that might've been it. Um, so I, I think I would be surprised un unless the injury is just not what I think it is. If he isn't out there, um, I also might be surprised if he's like playing at hundred percent full capacity. And that's, that's trouble for the Knicks because you have four fifths of your four fifths of your starting lineup, basically everyone outside of RJ Barrett, who's, who are, Pretty severely banged up to some extent. Emmanuel quickly, I don't really expect to play. I, I don't think he's going to be ready. Yeah, tough blow for them. Yeah. If quickly um, yeah, and I guess maybe maybe on a related note, uh, Wes, uh, we can wrap up on this. What, what, what would you say your, uh, your prediction for game six is? I think that he'd take care of it. Game six at home. Um, I don't know that I would go so far as to say what Charles Barkley was saying on the broadcast last night, that this is the Heat's game seven. I think the Heat can win at Madison Square Garden because they have Madison Square Garden. Uh, but you don't want to deal with that, man. You want to take care of your, your business at home. Um, I think the Heat have been the better team for most of the series, and I expect that to be the case uh, on Friday night. All right, fair enough. Uh, Wes Goldberg, can you tell everyone one final time where they can find all your good sure. work? Well, if you're a Knicks fan and you want to listen to Heat Podcast, um, you can find us at Locked on Heat, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you, use, you, you get, consume your, your audio and visual content. Uh, that's where we are. Um, you can read uh, my work over at allyoucanheat.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WC Goldberg. Yeah, we, we've gotten plenty of, of friendly Heat fans in our comments. I, I'm, I'm sure some yeah. Knicks fans are returning the favor in, in yep. your comments, Wes. Yeah, you know what? There, there's a real New York-Florida connection. I don't know. Where, where are all, all the uh, like older people who are, who, are, who are New Yorkers <laughs> and Floridians? They're, they're just absent right now. But uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe they'll come out after the series. We'll, we'll get some sportsmanship. Uh, Wes Goldberg, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back tonight with a recap of Game 6, either morning the Knicks season or previewing a Game 7. What's going to happen? We'll find out. After the series, we'll, we'll get some sportsmanship. Uh, Wes Goldberg, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back tonight with a recap of Game 6, either morning the Knicks season or previewing a Game 7. What's going to happen? We'll find out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.